and welcome back to another episode of normalize this is episode three where we talk about things that should be normalized and things that shouldn't be normalized basically all types of social issues um personal experiences and sometimes wholesome and funny shit today i'm going to be reading listener write-ins which you could submit on normalized instagram which is normalized podcast on instagram or you can email me at normalizedpodcast at email.com. I'm just going to get right into it because I be talking too much. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to start reading this DM. Hello, I just want to rant because I know a lot of women can relate, but I want to talk about not feeling actual love from your parents. I grew up with no dad because he left in Mexico. At his own will, lol, he's an American citizen. But that meant I grew up with my single mother and her parents. My maternal grandmother is not an emotional person with her female family members, and it's a real big issue that no one wants to talk about. That's why my tío, her son, is a womanizer and a machista, because she babies him like crazy. And my mom is such a hard ass because she never felt that love from my grandma, and she passed that trauma on to me, and it fucking sucks. I'm 21 now, and I'm majoring in psych, so a lot of the shit that I've been through, I have surpassed through the knowledge that I have gained in my classes. So I don't hate my mom at all. I just feel sad for her. I feel sad because she never felt that motherly love, and I want her to experience that. I've grown to mother and nature myself, and the trauma I've been through is long past me. But it sucks how Latino mothers fuck up their daughters just for their dumb sons that shit is annoying and that's why i'm going to be a family counselor well i just want to rant because i know a lot of people will relate but you can say this in the podcast if you choose just please don't expose my name no problem here um i love your content dude keep up the great work thank you so much i love you i'm sending a lot of warm hugs i think there's a lot of separate issues that are all in this one story and it's interesting how everything is just kind of like connected one is machismo in the mexican community especially with mothers and their internalized misogyny and how they treat their daughters differently the second one is healing the inner child so you mentioned that your mother didn't grow up with motherly love and you want her to experience that and the other one is generational trauma and i think this is a very common problem that latinas go through because of machismo and it really sucks that you have to go through that i myself have dealt with that as well a lot of latino guys get away with things that their sisters couldn't get away with like they they would live in life on easy mode, okay? You want you want to talk about living life on easy mode? Watch how mothers treat their sons in comparisons to their daughters. And you want to tell women that they're living life on easy mode? Literally everything is more difficult for us. From the day we we're born, we are treated differently than our brothers. Also, that also makes it difficult to date. Like, damn, you fucking everyone up. You're fucking up. You're fucking up your daughter. You're fucking up your son too because he's gonna be bueno para nada, a piece of shit. And then you're also fucking yourself up because you are stopping yourself from healing yourself, you know, from healing your trauma, from becoming a better person and move forward. You're gonna stay a bitter bitch your entire life.
And that's not even it. I also forgot emotional incest. That's the thing as well. A lot of women who have abandonment issues or had bad experiences with men, they almost create this weird incesty relationship with their sons because they think well this is the only man i love now and we've seen a lot of this a lot of these conversations on i've seen like crazy reddit stories of like mothers-in-laws who are obsessed with their son so this is a common issue that isn't just in the latino community like a lot of people deal with this you know we have these conversations online all this discourse about misogyny and how it affects our home life and how it affects our workspace and whatever the fuck but while we get to consume this and learn about things and you know exchange knowledge with others the older generations are kind of left behind because i feel like this information isn't as accessible to them and i think that if we want to educate our parents or let them know about generational trauma about how misogyny also affects them we have to be making these videos in spanish and in words that are already incorporated in their vocabulary people don't change for others they change if they want to and unfortunately a lot of people are stubborn so i'm glad that you're out here getting your degree yeah um psych major shout out to psych majors i know a lot of uh latinas are going into psychology which is very interesting and i'm also glad that you chose the career where you directly deal with these issues you want to be that person who stands up for other latinas who come from broken homes you know and moving forward though like i see a lot of people have helped their parents heal, heal their inner child i've seen a couple of videos of like when people buy the toys that their parents couldn't afford when they were kids and they'll like cry and stuff like that i saw this video of a senora her her daughter bought her a muñeca and she never had dolls growing up because she grew up very poor and that was just such a heartwarming moment just seeing that video on the internet where you know her mother literally burst into tears and she was just so happy because she never got to experience that childlike curiosity that childlike fun when she was a child and that's unfortunate that a lot of our mothers were forced to mature at a very young age and that's because a lot you know women were raised to be housewives with that as well they're also raised with misogyny these ideals are harming their own children and they're so blind to notice that being related to somebody means absolutely nothing to me. If I found out I had a hidden sibling somewhere out there, I'd probably want to meet them because she. But at the end of the day, like, they mean absolutely nothing to me. For me, what matters is the type of relationship I have some with someone. I could have a stronger bond with somebody that I am not related to than with somebody I am. I've had stronger bonds with my friends than some of my relatives. And I've, and I've been done dirty by some of my relatives more than actual strangers. And that's absolutely crazy. I think also that also has to do with just the Mexican community where family means like everything. People will do absolute anything to stay and defend their toxic family members. In this case, which would be your uncle. Which, fuck your deal. Fuck him. Anyways, the second one is a question. And yeah. 
So it says, hey, lovely, for your podcast, I think you should do advice on how to maintain motivation and confidence for yourself and how to deal with situations when you feel like you're at your lowest. And I suggest this because I struggle a lot with motivation and confidence with myself. And I feel like it'd help others as well who are in need of advice with lack of motivation slash self-confidence. Anywho, I hope you're doing well and you're also very beautiful. Thank you. Oh my God, you're flattering me. I just say, now that I asked the question about myself, I could finally talk about what I'm feeling through this podcast. Number one, I'm sick. So if my voice sounds different, it's because I'm sick. Enjoy the deeper voice because it won't be here next week. My voice will be back to high pitched and I'm going to cringe when I listen to my recordings. This one's interesting because a lot of people ask me, like, how are you so confident? And I'm always so confused because I'm not a confident person. I'm a very insecure person. But the thing is, I found the answer. The reason why people think I'm confident is because I do not put my insecurities on display. And let me show you what that means. When people consistently cover something about themselves, they're quite literally putting a huge sign that says, look, this is what I'm insecure about. For example, if I were to cover my nose in every single video that I post on the internet, then the people who are watching those videos now know that, look, I'm insecure about this, and that's why I'm hiding it. That logic never made sense to me. So what I like to do is I just show kind of everything, you know? I If I film a video and there's bad angles, I'll still post it because I'm like, fuck it, that's just who I am. I got bad angles, like, what can I do? I would rather be ugly online than a catfish because when you have to consistently cover something to feel comfortable to post on the internet, you are letting everyone know that you're insecure. So for example, I've always been insecure about my nose and that's why I got a nose job, but I didn't hide my nose in videos and I posted videos where my nose didn't look that great in unattractive angles like high up or like on the side and somebody might think well if she was insecure about her nose why would she post those videos and that's because i do not hide behind my insecurities that does not make me a confident person it just means that i deal with my insecurities in a different way than other people so if covering yourself to post on the internet makes you feel more confident then do that but for me it almost brings more attention to the insecurity because for me when i see that now i'm more curious to see how your nose looks like if somebody who always uses filters on their social media posts comments about my looks i will literally just laugh because bitch you don't even like yourself so why are you talking about my looks if I put on that VQD filter, I'll I'll look just as good as you. Not only that, but then compliments do not feel genuine. So when somebody says I'm pretty, but that photo is heavily edited, it's they're not calling me pretty. They're not calling you pretty. They're calling VQD pretty. They're calling light makeup pretty. They're calling poopa filter pretty. They're calling Facetune pretty. I actually use Facetune to smooth out my face. I'm gonna keep it real. Sometimes I when I had a lot of acne, I used to smooth out my face, but that's about it. My point is, when you heavily edit a photo, or when you cover something up, you're letting everyone know that you're insecure. And also, when people do compliment you, those compliments, to me, just the way I perceive things, they're not genuine. 
they're complimenting the filter, not you, because you do not look like that. I would rather have a picture that has five likes and one comment, but it's the actual me, than a, than a picture that did really good on the internet and is getting a bunch of compliments, essentially complimenting my photoshopping skills. But then again, it's your life. You do what you do, okay? I'm just letting you know how I see it. It just screams insecurity. So that's why when people see me, they think I'm confident. When in reality, I'm not. There's a lot of things about myself I do not like, including my voice. I don't even like my voice. But here I am filming a podcast episode. Why? Because to me, there's no point in hiding it. When people look at me, they have to guess. What is she insecure about? Mm, I bet it's this. And they'll just point at anything that is conventionally unattractive. For example, my nose. And I've also had people point out things like my lips. She must be insecure about her lips because they look, like, weird. But I'm not insecure about my lips. There are some people think they're not attractive, and that's okay. But that doesn't mean I'm insecure about them. I would rather have people play the guessing game than have people straight up be like, Okay, this bitch covers up her nose. Obviously, she's insecure about her nose. Now I know what you're insecure about, and now I could use that against you. But again, my mind is fucked up. Uh, I do have an inferiority complex. I have self-esteem issues, so maybe don't listen to me. Fuck it. Do whatever you want. Lack of motivation. What do I do? I used to be somebody who used to act upon motivation, but I have procrastination issues. And I realized motivation is not should, should not be the driving factor of you doing something. You need to realize motivation is an emotion. It's something that is temporary. All emotions are temporary. If you depend on that to get things done, then you're going to have a really hard time. Because your brain might even trick itself to not feeling motivated. You know what I mean? I like to rely on discipline. Think of it as being your own parent. I realized that I need to be my own parent. Once you're an adult, you're basically parenting yourself. Like, I think people assume that, like, as soon as they reach adulthood, they should have everything figured out. And they'll learn everything quickly. And that's not true. You still have, you still need guidance when you're an adult. The only difference is that you cannot rely on your parents for guidance anymore. You need to be your own guide or you need to find a guide. So that would be, like, a personal coach there's a lot of people who uh, motivate people and you pay them but honestly um i'm not in the mood to pay 200 dollars for a one hour session let me know just saying i'd rather listen to an audiobook maybe watch a little youtube video to get me in the motivation mood or maybe tell myself look it doesn't matter if i don't want to do it i have to do it because if i don't do it then i'm going to deal with the consequences and i don't want to deal with the consequences that's my mindset let me know if you agree. Let me know if it doesn't work for you. Like I, Also, I think I might have ADHD. So, also, my, my brain might be fucked up in the way it thinks. And you might be like, what the fuck is this bitch talking about? But really, discipline. That's what I learned. Don't wait until you feel motivated. Do it. Just do it. If it's trash, who cares? Do it. Because you, the more you practice, the better you get at something. Practice makes perfect. That's the crazy thing about life. Every cliche every cliche everything you'll be like that shit is so corny everything is true it's true mate it's true practice makes perfect you're like the fuck duh it does but that applies to everything 
that applies to doing homework. The more, even if the first time you do homework, it's absolute trash because you don't know what the fuck the material is about. Who cares? Do it and turn it in. You might get a bad grade. Who cares? It's better than getting a zero. Just start easy. Start with you, whatever you want to do, do it for a small amount of time if you haven't done it at all. I cannot expect myself to be a wonderful writer if I haven't written anything for years. And it's the same thing that I applied to this podcast. I did not put out a new episode because I was unmotivated. I put so much stress on myself for my podcast to feel wonderful, to feel exciting in every single moment, for me to speak fluently and never mumble. And then I realized I cannot expect perfection out of someone who doesn't even craft. How can I create perfection if I haven't even created? I need to put out podcast episodes even if they're trash. This is my third episode. It might be absolute jack shit, but if two or three people like it, that's enough for me to keep going. If nobody likes it, that's still enough for me to keep going. Why? Because my episodes are not going to get better if I don't keep posting, if I don't keep filming, if I don't keep practicing. And that's not fueled by motivation, that is fueled by discipline. Okay guys, if you notice if I have a missing nail, if you're watching on YouTube, that is because I took a little break and I'm back on filming and I'm just gonna jump right back in with this very unhinged story, okay? So the DM states, I've liked the boy at my school for a year now, but it's become an obsession. I even know where he lives, his mom's and sister's name, and even where he went on holiday. All from a fake account I had an Insta stalking and fake Facebook account from Mumsy. I was convinced I loved him and wanted him so badly. This made me add him on Snapchat and follow him on Instagram. Parentheses, which he added and followed me back. Second week, starting of school, I got enough courage to text him on Snapchat, just casually about math because he's really good at it. And soon enough, we were, and having banter, which I was very pleased about, but I didn't know whether it was romantic or him just being friendly because he's a friendly, talkative person. But then in school, he wouldn't talk or look at me, which I was a little upset. However, we kept on chatting. Parentheses, I would always text first, but he reciprocated conversations. Till I texted him and he became more dry and cold. Soon enough, he literally left me unopened when it was completely replaced repliable message it's my last year of school and next year i'll be going to college do i still try with him because it may be an, a misunderstanding or do i move on and wait for college boys next year love from london <clears throat> so my initial reaction is very uh very wild. I thought about how I should respond to this because, you know, as the podcast goes, we're going to get more listener write-ins and more stories. And in some of these stories, my listeners are going to be the one who is in the wrong. So I was thinking, how should I go about this situation? And I was watching an episode with Therapy Gecko and Noah Miller. And one of the listeners, one of their listeners, uh, said something that was very wrong. And the way, the way they went about it really kind of inspired me to change my ways because I'm a very tough love person. And then I realized sometimes that tough love pushes people away. 
and if it's one of my listeners, I should try my best to steer them in the right direction without being too pushy or being too harsh. I think I want to start off by saying I don't think you love him, you know, and in your paragraph you say, I was convinced I loved him. And I think that means you have the self-awareness to know that you're not actually in love with him. This is also very relatable in the way that a lot of women get attached to the idea of men and become obsessed with certain men and they don't actually love them. And I think that's because we love the idea of someone but we don't actually love the reality. So in this case, I think you weren't obsessed with him. I thought I, I think you became obsessed with the idea of him. The other reason why I think you don't actually love this guy is because when you love someone, you keep their best interests in mind. You want to do what's best for them. And what you did with your fake accounts was very harmful. It was an invasion of privacy. And even if he didn't find out about these accounts, it's still disrespectful and wrong. When you love someone, you're willing to do anything for them when it's in their best interest. Doing this wasn't in his best interest. You weren't even thinking about his feelings. You didn't think, how would he feel if I did this? You weren't thinking about him at all. You were thinking about you. And that's how I know this isn't love because love is about how the other person feels. How do I make this person feel the best that they can? Love is not about how you feel and doing what you want. Moving along in the story, you, you say, I didn't know whether it was romantic or him just being nice. And the thing is like, a lot of people don't understand that like silence is rejection. Someone not reciprocating the same energy is rejection. Even if you're reading in between the lines and you, you try to make it seem like, oh, maybe they're just playing hard to get. You shouldn't be wanting someone who's playing hard to get either way. You're not going to build a relationship with someone who's playing hard to get. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how genuine connections work. So, and then, and then you, you said that you would always text first, but he reciprocated conversations. A lot of guys, you know, girls do this too, where they kind of feel bad. They don't want to completely flat out ignore people, so they'll respond. You guys weren't talking. He was just responding. This was not... A mutual connection and I think this person obviously has a difficult time uh, understanding social cues and I and I completely sympathize in that aspect because I don't really know when a guy likes me I get surprised when guys finally tell me like oh I like I like you I'm like wait why I think if you're someone who just has a hard time understanding social cues I think I would just go by the principle of whether or not they're either reciprocating the energy okay are they returning the same energy you know the fact that he didn't want to talk to you in person that was that would have been a red flag to me immediately if they're not putting that much energy they most likely don't like you but the thing is we tend to want to rationalize things we we will lie to ourselves to 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 protect our emotions you know we don't want to flat out think oh they're not interested in me we try to find whatever excuse in the book so we feel better about the situation you said it's my last year of school do i still try with him it may be a misunderstanding what misunderstanding there's nothing to misunderstand here he's not interested in you you're the one who's misunderstanding the situation now let's just say 
by chance he figures out that those accounts were ran by you, I would have been freaked out. Maybe you found out you made these accounts. Why would you text him? Why would you still try with him if there's a possibility that this guy is afraid of you? I would have been afraid of you. I would have been creeped out. It, the way this this is worded, it makes me feel like a man wrote this. Like, there's a lot of guys who like think like this. They think, oh, well, you know, I just tried my best to see her at work, and I don't know. It looks like she's distant. Yeah, because you're creeping her out. This person is self-centered. You know, this paragraph is just think is just I think this, I think this, I think this. It's never he may think that. Did you ever consider his feelings, his thoughts, when it came to the way you interacted with him? If you did, you wouldn't have stalked him to begin with. I think you like the idea of him, and I think you have, you're an attached person, and I think you're an obsessive person, a compulsive person, that you lack self-control and self-discipline, but I think these things can change. I think the one good thing is that you're self-aware. You knew you were obsessed with him. Obsession is not love. The main difference between obsession is love is not whether things are re reciprocated, right? Because two people can be obsessed with each other and not love each other. When you love someone, you keep their best interest in mind. When you're obsessed with someone, it's something that you're feeding off of. And in this situation, you're feeding off your own fantasy because... All of this is in, is in your head, and that could be a very harsh reality to face, especially because when it does come to talking, some people do like to play games, you know? You know, some people are players and things like that, but for the most part, you should just focus on whether or not people return the same energy, and I think you should stay away from him. I think you should stay away from him for your own, uh, for your own emotions, for your own well-being. I think you should stay away for, from him for his own safety. You shouldn't pursue things that you know aren't good for you, that you know are obsession, that something it's self-indulgence, you know? For example, I'm somebody who will spend money compulsively. I could almost say I have an obsession with spending money. Why would I go in a store if I know I have problems with spending? Like, you know, you said, or should I move on and wait for college boys next year? You know, when you go to college, there's a lot more people. You might even find a guy that looks exactly like him, but better. You know, like, you're, you're gonna find really attractive people in college, and like, everyone in college, most people sleep around and stuff, and it's almost like people kind of peeled a little layer of their ego, you know, high school is very, it's very clicky, it's very fake, very superficial, very immature. In college, people tend to communicate more, and people tend to care less. You would probably have a better chance pursuing like romance, or just hookups, or whatever the fuck, um, in college, but I don't think that's necessarily the what's best for you in your best interest because if you're somebody who has an unhealthy attachment style, you tend to get obsessed with people. It's not the person, it's the tendency. I think this is very important to know. Like, it's not the fact that he was special, that he was unique, that there was something about him that you loved. It was the fact that you were an obsessive person. You just picked your target. He became that target because it was most convenient for you. For example, this was a guy at your school, meaning you saw him every day. What happens when you become attached to somebody who's bad for you? Somebody who is manipulative, who is narcissistic. This guy might text you back. This guy might reciprocate the energy, but then he'll start treating you like shit. 
Or maybe he'll cut off communication and then he'll start texting you again. He'll play mind games with you. You're going to be wrapped around his finger because you have the tendency to become obsessed and attached with people. You know, a lot of narcissists and manipulative people, they, they love to love bomb. They love to feed you ideas. So if you know you're somebody who feeds off fantasy, who thinks a lot, who imagines things, who gets attached to, to the idea of things, what happens when you find somebody who feeds into that delusion, who tells you that they love you, that you're the love of their life, but it's all a lie. You end up hurting yourself. You end up falling into this toxic cycle, and I don't want that for you. What happens when the next guy that you get attached to is actually somebody who is a pushover, and you become the one who justifies your irrational, wrongful behavior, in this case, invading someone's privacy by online stalking them, and you justify it because you did it for love. Or what happens when you, the next person you get attached to is just as obsessive as you? Now we have a, now we got a Netflix show on the way. Now we got you. I think you should do what's best and get therapy and learn about your attachment styles. Talk to a therapist and be like, hey, how is it that I become obsessed with people? Why do I lack self-control? You shouldn't be focusing on boys right now. You should be focusing on yourself and your unhealthy attachment styles because what if this doesn't just apply to guys in your life? What if this applies to friendships? Well, this could lead you to a very dark path. I think once you deal that deal with that out of the way, once you go to therapy, you get the help, maybe you get a diagnosis, you know what's going on in your brain, then you could pursue, you know, situationships, relationships, whatever you'd like, okay? Sleep with everyone in college or be a hopeless romantic. I don't care, but do that once you're in a healthy state of mind because I don't think that's the situation for this. The way I almost, I relate to, I guess, being a obsession is that I also realized that I didn't actually had feelings for the guys that I talked to. Instead, I was actually obsessed with the idea of them. I was obsessed with their potential. I thought, well, this guy isn't particularly my type, but if I did this and he does that, then he would be perfect. But I think that's a very bad way of thinking. We should look at people not for their words or for their online image or, or, or for the bullshit that they tell you, but for their action. And I just kept doing on that cycle. I would talk to new people just to get over the previous one. It took me a while to, to get out of that until I felt like I had enough this is not making me happy and I could sit here and be like oh um, I hate men it's all men's fault but I was like I'm clearly also the issue I did not know that all these situationships were causing so much chaos that not talking to anyone actually brought me to such a peaceful state of life like I didn't have to worry about oh fuck this girl is also talking to him you know because these situationships there were before things got serious and she's prettier than me and she also talked to the other guy I like so I would consistently be comparing myself to other girls and now when I see a beautiful woman I don't think I wonder if he follows her I just think that's a beautiful girl and my hopes with sharing my story and letting you guys know in how my brain works and 
some of the shit that I did that was kind of embarrassing, like what I was explaining to you, like talking to people for, for validation. I hope that you guys see my story and think if I relate to this or I do something even worse than that, then I know that I need to get out of that. Because when you do, it's, it's, it's super freeing. It's so nice to, to not feel compulsed to take pictures every other day so I get validation. It's, it was draining. You don't understand how draining it is until you completely stop. And I just want to say that my mindset has changed. Now I'm just like a... Now I just care about like whether my personality is compatible with other people. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes I really like somebody's personality, but they don't like mine. And I'm taking less offense to it. The four agreements really helped me on that. I'm tired of the toxicity. I'm tired of playing mind games. Because I know how peaceful it is to not talk to... To not be in situationships... I just want to keep my peace for as long as possible. I am building a house brick by brick, piece by piece, step by step, okay? Little by little. And once that house is finally built, that is my peace. As I started laying that foundation to my house brick by brick, I started comparing myself less and less, starting thinking negatively about myself less and less to a point where I built a house and when I'm in that house, I feel at peace. There's no competition. There's no negative feelings about my appearance. It's just bliss. It's not validating. I don't think I'm hot shit. I don't look in the mirror and I think I'm the most gorgeous girl in the world. I don't think that either. I'm just neutral. And neutral is so peaceful. And here comes a man in my life that I get attached to. And he shakes this shit up. He creates an earthquake and then my my house falls apart. I'm so afraid of that happening. Not because I'm afraid of being hurt, because I'm not afraid of being hurt. I I've I've lost a lot of people in my life who have passed away and I realized that I don't ever wanna regret loving someone. I wanna tell somebody how much I love them while they're still here with me. So I am not afraid to love, because I'm not afraid of being hurt. I'm afraid of losing my peace because that's the difference. There's a difference between being hurt and, li and living in chaos. And I have lived in chaos for such a long time, especially on the internet with all the internet drama I was involved in, that this, this way of living that I am now, I'm so surprised at how at peace I am. Like, I didn't realize life could be this peaceful. And I am afraid of somebody coming in my life and making it chaotic. And it, it's boring, but it's peaceful. And I realize this is the type of life I want to live. If you know you tend to go for guys who treat you like shit, maybe you should take a step back from dating and work on your own, com you know, your own compulsive behavior. Because this is a form of self-sabotage. There's a reason why you're doing this to yourself. I know a lot of girls think, oh, I could change him. You can't. People only change for themselves, okay? Once you reach a certain level of maturity, you start to see the immaturities in other people. And it's not like I look down on people because there's a, in a lot of ways I am also immature. But it becomes something that is non-negotiable. And I've been blubbering too much and I'm going to be ending this podcast with a very wholesome uh, listener write-in. And if you guys have more wholesome stuff, let me know because I want to do a wholesome episode. Sometimes that makes me smile. I love seeing women do better for themselves. It makes me so happy. It makes me feel like a proud mom, even if I had nothing to do with it. I just, I love seeing people su succeed. I'm going to start reading because I've been dragging this for too long. Women need to stop setting the bar so low for men. And knowing better, 
to not fall in love with potential. With my last ex, I gave the less attractive guy a chance and ended up getting treated like crap. And he cheated on me three times, parentheses. One was with his first cousin. And it made me feel like I was not enough and I was the ugly one. When we broke up, my standards for men were so low that any guy who treated a girl with an ounce of respect caught my attention. I started talking to guys who were nice to me and didn't call me a bitch, but they would never make an effort to follow my love language, which is gift giving. They wouldn't make an effort to see me at work, and I thought that was fine because it was an upgrade from my ex. I finally left those guys and fell in love with my current boyfriend. He showed me effort, and I didn't have to beg him to love me, and he follows my love language, and I hope all girls stop setting the bar so low for men. When you hire your standards, you are more likely to find the person who is actually the right match for you. When you hire your standards, the probability of being in a healthy, loving relationship goes up and you might think well maybe my standards are too high your standards aren't too high we just live in a world with shit people if you want someone to love you and follow your love language and you're also able to do that for him then what's the issue if you are able to reciprocate the same energy there's the standards could be as high as you want but basically what I'm trying to say is you don't lose anything by lose, by hiring your standards. And like, this is why I don't understand pick-me girls. Like, when you are being a pick-me, the type of men you are attracting are not good. Like, when you attract misogynistic men, what do you expect them to treat you like? You think you're going to be treated like a queen because you spew misogynistic shit on the internet? No, you're going to be treated like shit because they're misogynistic men. So when you lower your standards, you are attracting guys who aren't good for you it makes no sense and sure it might be lonelier you know but i rather be single than be in a toxic unfulfilling relationship in this case this woman was probably done dirty by guys who were conventionally attractive or were the classic player types so they thought well maybe i might give a guy who's less attractive a chance maybe that will change something but it doesn't you need to let everyone know who has been cheated on that has nothing to do with your looks even if the girl he cheated on you with looks better than you it has nothing to do with your looks like i said from the beginning it is not the person it is the tendency it is not the fact that you are unattractive it is the fact that a, a cheater has a tendency to cheat that has to do with his own morals his own lack of empathy his own logic it has nothing to do with you beautiful women like beyonce have been cheated on i think like emrata also got cheated on and her ex was far less attractive than she was and people might think how can somebody so beautiful be cheated on it's not about their looks it's not even about their personality i bet these two women have wonderful personalities it has to do with the fact that the men that they were with were absolutely they were absolute trash to end this quickly therapy is amazing try medication if it works for you uh, be honest with yourself see people for who they truly are when people show you their true colors take that for granted focus on actions and not words be honest with your own delusions am, am i somebody who's overly attached overly obsessive be honest with yourself and the next step should be if you do have some issues like that is to get help be kind to yourself be kind to the people around you and remember you are loved and appreciated if you want to be part of my podcast Please make sure to DM me at Normalized Podcast on Instagram or send me an email at normalizedpodcast at gmail.com. I'm interested in having guests. I'm still figuring that out. I love you guys. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you for the five list for the five listeners. I'm so grateful and I'm very excited to see where this goes. Goodbye.